Hello and welcome to No Easy Games, an alternative guide to world football. After an international break, of which we will make no reference because we're recording this efficiently early, the domestic game is back with all of its goals and saves and varsical decisions. <laughs> I'm Tom O'Brien. And I'm Aaron Gales. And that was one of your best intros, Tom. I enjoyed that. Thank you. Uh, can you tell yeah. I wrote this one down? How long, how long have you been waiting to say varsical decisions? Uh, it popped in my head, and I'm a man of one idea and one idea only. I cannot be dis- uh, persuaded to go to a second creative idea. So you only ever get my first idea, uh, <laughs> and uh, that is why this podcast is called No Easy Games. I wasn't prepared to come up with an alternative. Mm. Uh, no, very good. We, haven't, we haven't talked much about VAR, have we really? So I'm, I'm quite looking forward to getting into it a bit. Well, that is my first subject for us to discuss, because... It's been, I mean, let's pretend that we this is, you know, live and timely. I mean, what a relief <laughs> it's been watching all that international football and not having all that VAR nonsense, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, they're not doing it very well in the Premier League, are they? Although, did you watch, did you watch the Man City-Liverpool game? I didn't. I decided that the best way to watch that game was with the rage of Manchester City fans online. Hmm. Have you seen the incident? Well, which one? God, there's about a million. I've seen the handball. I've seen the handball. The the suggested handball. Yeah. Now I know. Obviously, you you, you know you are a confirmed Liverpool hater. Tom, I'm going to be very honest you, in my opinions. Do you think it was a penalty? Um, it's difficult to say because you've got. I I don't know where the referees positioned. I don't know how the referees seen that one. And there's some angles you see where you think, well, that's a penalty. How's he not given that? And that's been the opinion of a lot of the pundits. Um, You know, people like Robbie Savage, Chris Sutton were all saying, you know, you've got to be able to see that in real time, let alone looking on VAR. But then there's other angles where it doesn't really look like it's hit him. Um, And the thing it's got to come back to, it was brought in to get rid of the howler. Yeah, VAR was brought in to get rid of the stuff that was really, really obvious. And yeah. we keep saying, look, if you've got to look at it for a minute and a half and you still don't know, it's not yeah. clear and obvious. Carry on. So I think in that yeah. in that case, I've not I've not seen like whether I, I don't even know because I didn't watch the game. I don't know whether they did a VAR check on it or not. I don't know yeah, how long they spent on that when they were doing it. Um, well, it was all it was all it was a bit of a mess, really, because obviously Liverpool went straight up the other end and scored, um, which caused the confusion. Um, I don't think it was a penalty. I think the right decision was made for two reasons, really. One, I heard Neil Swarbrick on the radio talking about today, and and for it to be a handball in the box, it has to be considered a deliberate handball. That is what the referee is looking for, a deliberate handball. So, So one, it's not a deliberate handball, definitely not in my opinion. Two, I don't think his hand was in an unnatural position. You know, it was by his side, you know, slightly raised, but that was the way his body was going. So I feel like, again, a natural position. And three, if you were going to give the handball for that, then in my opinion, you absolutely have to give the handball about one second previously, which Bernardo Silva, you know, it's blasted at him, but clearly handballs it. Um, which then the ball then goes and hits Alexander Arnold. So I, I don't know if City had scored. If City had scored, so if if that ball had dropped from Alexander Arnold and gone, and then Aguero lashes it in the goal, 
the goal gets disallowed because Bernardo Silva has handballed it in the box, which you're not allowed to do, deliberate or not. It's slightly different for the attacking team than it is for. The, so I, I think I think they got the decision right. Um, the thing is, this, this this one VAR becomes a bit of a red herring mm. because it's not like. I don't. I don't think it's VAR. It's not VAR's fault that Liverpool have gone and scored, and that that goal that that City yeah. haven't been given a penalty. The issue no. there is, you know, because as well, how long is the phase of play supposed to last? Once you've got mm. the ball out of the box, how yeah. far back are we going? It's similar with the Sheffield yeah. United game where they were saying, well, yeah. well they, you know, someone's someone's toenail was offside, mm. but they actually mm. there were loads more passes before the ball went in the back of the net. How when when there's a phase reset? Yeah. Because for offside. A phase resets at the next pass. Mm. Like, mm. usually, like if you're saying, well, he was yeah. in an offside position there but didn't get the ball, they played around him and then he got himself back onside. Like, yeah. I, not, none of this makes any sense. No. I think, I think they've got it. I think they tried to be. I think their motivation was right in terms of trusting the on-field decision. But I think they're trying to be too clever with it. The, the decisions... The really bad decisions are, are, are still not being. I think the frustrating thing for a lot of people is the really bad ones haven't been overturned. So I think the one yesterday, I think if Michael Oliver gives the penalty, VAR doesn't overturn it. It's one of those which is really fifty-fifty, and and that's what you should do. You should go the go the on-field decision of the referee. Um, but we've seen some absolute howlers this season. Which are, the the Dale Fail one is the one that springs to mind straight away. Um, where it's such a clear penalty and they've not overturned it, I don't mind. I don't mind the offside rule because I think while it can be frustrating, you know, if if if, he, if he's marginally offside or whatever. I know the phase of play is confusing, but if he's marginally offside, he is offside. It is like is the ball a millimeter over the line? Is he a millimeter offside? Offside is offside. I, I don't. I don't mind it. Um, but and the issue with that is though. We're all, we they can't slow down the frame rate to see the exact frame of the moment it's kicked, so they can never seem to get. Yeah. They can't get that accurate at this stage. I see. I think I've read a few people saying that the the mo the second the ball's kicked, they can't quite slow mm. the frame rate down for that. But they can take a yeah. port. So they're not technically taking an accurate reading. When yeah. you're getting these offside, yeah. which I mean, again, you're getting into hair's breadths then. But mm. if if you'll allow me, you 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 painted me to be uh, to be biased against Liverpool. I'll yeah. I'll ask a question that you know in Liverpool's defence. Yeah. You can't score with your armpit, so how can you be offside no. with your armpit? Yeah. The whole yeah. point. The whole point is you can you can only be short. The rule is you're offside with the parts of your body. Like so, if your hands are out, your hands mm. can't be offside because you can't score with your hands. But the armpit's the same, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think you're right, and I think I think what they've got wrong with I think what I used to really like about the offside rule was that they gave the benefit of the doubt to the attacking team. That was that was a sort of that was the rule, wasn't it? Um, and I, and I think again, it's like what you were saying: it's to get rid of the howler. That is to get rid of the howler, and you could argue with some of the offsides that before VAR you would never say it's offside, but sometimes there's been lads two or three yards offside, hasn't there? That's what it was brought in to get rid of, wasn't it? Not the marginal calls. They've just made 
they try to be too clever with it, and they've made a real dog's dinner of it, in my opinion. Um, well, the, the the thing that they've done that's really because you remember everyone was complaining about it at the World Cup in Russia, and we kill for it to be implemented like that at the moment. Um, the, yeah, the problem yeah, yeah. the problem they've got is apparently it's FIFA mandated that if you're going to have VAR, you've got to have the monitor at the side of the screen. Yeah. But they told them not to use it mm. because they think yeah. that it's. But sure, if you've got because they think it's slowing the game down. But I'm, yeah. I'm going to give an example. I, I think quite rightly because they've come out and said they made a mistake with it. Everton have been shafted by VAR this season. Uh, they had that penalty given against Michael Keane because Michael Keane accidentally stood on the toe of someone who didn't yeah, who, was- who didn't even appeal for it. And yeah. VAR have now said, "Yeah, we shouldn't have done that." Well, that cost Everton three points. Yeah. Um, and then, and they spent about a minute and a half, two minutes looking at that one. Yeah. Would the, the ref wouldn't have given that if he'd seen it on, no. on the replay. And then no. a week later, they look at something like thirty odd replays of Deli Ali hand, clearly handballing it in the box, mm. and decide that's not a penalty. Yeah. Now, the, all you need to do is get the like the ref. Look, you're the person making these decisions. These games are being re-refereed, and that's not what it's yeah. supposed to be for. It's supposed yeah. to be. Oh well, actually, you've booked him, but that was a studs-up talent cha- challenge, and he's not got the ball. Send him off, mm. or uh, he's pulled mm. his shirt there before he scored the goal. You know, those are what it's mm. for. But you mm. see, so many like um, the Leicester one at the weekend, where um, Kaglasionku's been been pulled back in the box. They don't even look yeah. at it. I, yeah. I just, I think they they need to, and they've told the refs that they're going to now have to start looking at the monitors. But that means that. The, the games for the rest of the season are being played under effectively a different set of rules. Yeah, I think there's become a concern, hasn't there, that the referees are using VAR almost as a tool to hide behind, so they can say to the players, "Look, mate, um, that's come from Stocksley Park or wherever, or wherever, wherever it is." Um, and I, I think I think they should go and look at the monitor. I think they should go and look at the monitor because that keeps. I think that I think what should happen is is the VAR guy should say, "Look." You know, you might want to go and have a look at that, and then just go and double check, and it leaves the decision with the on-field official, which is what they wanted to do in the first place. Because um, yeah, if, if the refs say if they're saying, "Look, we've looked at Deli Ali's handball five times so far, we're not sure," so why don't yeah. you split the difference? You know, you go and decide. Yeah. You're the ref, and yeah, exactly, it's, exactly. And I think I think that's what I think that's what they will now do. Um, I think I think they need to do. I think they need to do that. I think. The perception of how long it takes is an interesting one. There's, there's been a few sort of, I've heard quite a lot about that on phone-ins and stuff. When you're in the ground, I think it's the lack of information. So there was a Man City one earlier in the season and they were saying they were waiting in the ground for about five or six minutes for a decision to be made. I can't remember what game it was. And they looked at it and in reality it was about one minute and 12, one minute, 12 seconds or something. And the problem is, time stands still in that moment, doesn't it? You think you've scored a goal and you find out it's being checked for VAR, and then you just don't know, at the moment, you just don't know what is going on. You, you might see a replay, you might not, but you don't. You can't hear the official, you don't know what they're looking at necessarily. Um, so I think there's work to do there, I think, in terms of how it's communicated to the supporters, because at the moment, the supporters in the ground, you know, you pay your ticket for that match day experience, for, for, for your match and you are getting a worse experience than someone watching on the TV at home who has an idea of everything that's going on and I just don't think 
I don't think it's right. What, what, I would, what I will say is, is I think it was always going to take time to get it right. And we just need to, I think we just need to stick at it because I, I do think I was never a fan of VAR, of the idea of it. But I think, it, I think it will be good for the game long term. But it's a massive change to a game that's been going for 130, 140 years. And we just need to be patient with it. And it is frustrating and it will cost your team sometimes. But other times, other times it'll be to your benefit. It's just, it's to me, it's the typical Premier League thing of thinking we can do something better. And they've ignored yeah. all the teething problems that have happened in other leagues that now yeah. aren't issues. Um, I mean, yeah. you said that one that was a minute at City, the Delhi Alley one was three minutes. And all there was on the big screen was penalty check. And then suddenly, yeah. no penalty in a corner. And the fans have no yeah. idea why, because they've all seen it on their phones by this point. And they yeah, all know yeah. it's handball. Like, yeah. And, yeah. and they were supposed to... Like, I know you've been... I don't even know. Does James' Park have a big screen? It does, yeah. yeah but, but again, you don't always see the replay. They're supposed you know? to show them where they can. And I think they still go back to yeah. this daft rule that they had from years back, that you're not supposed to show anything controversial because football fans yeah. will start a riot. But I mean, yeah. like, if you've already given the penalty, at least let us see yeah. why. Like, we know there's an, in, you know, it's the internet age. Everyone's gone yeah. on a live text and seen, oh, that was a bit soft, you know. Yeah. So just treat people yeah. who've paid money like adults. You're not going to have 56,000 people um, starting a riot in Newcastle because yeah. they found out that Kieran Clark has actually pulled someone's shirt. You know, it's, yeah. you know, it, it's, yeah. it's a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think. I think you're right. I think they've tried to be just try to be too clever. And the, and the other example that I, I won't bang on too much is the offside. And and offside, it works really well everywhere else. Where everywhere else in the world, football, I think that uses it, they've told the linesmen to leave their flag down if there's any doubt and let the phase of play go. And then if there's a goal, great, you can check it. And I think that works, and I think that works everywhere. Over here, they've told the linesmen to put the flags up, and it just makes it all a mess. And I just think they've looked at it, they've been very arrogant with it, they've looked at the teething problems that other countries and internationals have had, and they thought, oh, we know better. Um, and in reality, they don't. And I just think, I think they've got a lot to, they've got a lot to improve on, would be my summary. But I think we all know that anyway. But Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just don't. I don't think it's solving a problem. If anything, it's making it more contentious and more controversial than it already was. And it's cost Everton a bucket load of points. And you could technically say, if they'd given that penalty for Deli Ali, uh, the beautiful Andre Gomez wouldn't have broken every bone in his leg um, because <laughs> history would have been changed. It's the butterfly effect, much like that yeah. terrible Ashton Kutcher film. Um, it's disappointing. We'll move on because we could talk about VAR yeah. for some time. And, and as we as we alluded to, one of those teams who. Uh, who were, were briefly victims of VAR, but rallied round in the way that they have done all season, really. Sheffield United, um, are they the best team in the country by a million miles at the moment? <laughs> Apart from the four teams above them, you mean? Well, if you want to get bogged down by a league table, um, <laughs> I, I want to remind you who tipped Sheffield United to comfortably stay up this year. Yeah. It was me. No, yeah, yeah. No, I think that I think that was a good I think it's proven a really good tip. I think I think at some point they are gonna hit a bad patch mm. and I think they will plummet down the table. But I think they've already got enough points on the board. I think they've got seventeen points. You know, there's, there's I mean I'll I'll also back up my prediction by saying they will not stay up on seventeen points. No, 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 they won't. But I, <laughs> I think 
<laughs> I think you get you get my you get my point. And I don't think they've had the easiest start in terms of fixtures either. They've played a lot of the teams that you would say um, you know, they've played quite a few of the top six top six sides already and have got points. Uh, Things they're they're they taking points off their rivals. I mean, if you look at it, the, the Premier League is awful this season. Um outside those top four, is it something like between fifth and fifteenth there's five points? It's yeah. I mean for for you know midway through November, there's nothing. You know, Ev- Everton with a win could move into the top eight next weekend. Yeah, well, you know, it- I was looking. I was looking at us because we've Newcastle have obviously had a decent run, and I think if we had one more point, we'd be. I think we're eleventh at the moment. If we had one more point, we could be sixth. It's just you know, it's just ludicrous, really. Uh, Everyone was praising West Ham before the last international break. They've lost four of the last five, and now they're below Everton. You know, it's yeah. it's just it's a, it's a once again it's a joke league, really. That's mm. it seems to be really fractured, though. I think for the last two seasons we've had the top six, and then everyone else. I feel like this season we've got the top four who are already miles away of everyone else at the moment. Then you've got another four. And you're already looking at the bottom three and thinking they're they're already adrift a bit already, like the, the teams at the bottom. Um, it has it's become. Well, I want to say it's all become dwarfed by money, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. But I don't think it's a great. I don't think it's a great league. We say it's the best league in the world, and I think it's not. It's, it's really not, is it? Um, but yeah, yeah. No, I mean, what, what do you? What, I mean, I'm, I've been really impressed with Sheffield United. I think. It's great for someone like Chris Wilder, you know, who has really served his time in the low divisions, and then he's got Sheffield United up twice, um, and it just shows it just shows it can be done. I think it's good for English managers. You know, you look in the Premier League now, and there's quite a lot of English managers, and they're all doing all right. You know, Eddie Howe, Sean Dyche, Chris Wilder. I've even, you know, it pains me to say, and I can't believe I would have said it. Uh, even six weeks ago, but Steve Bruce is doing well at Newcastle. Um, it's good to see English managers being given an opportunity and thriving. Um, whether they'll then get the chance to go to a Spurs or a, you know, a Man United or something like that, I don't know. But I think we do. They should... won't. Yeah. No. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm pleased for Sheffield United. Sheffield United were a team that I followed quite a lot when I was uh, in my in my previous radio days. Um, I was there the day that they got relegated to League One um, mm. under the management of uh, um, Mickey Adams, uh, a man with wet look gel, uh, keeping that one alive. But it was also raining, making it even slicker. Um, he was so uh, despondent uh, on the day they got relegated that a colleague who was with me said that she wanted to give uh, wanted to give him a hug to see if he would feel better, and didn't think that he would refuse it, which would have been a first for a tunnel post match interview. Uh, uh, from from my part, uh, it was also a game where Harry Maguire was in the infancy of his Sheffield United career. Um, he played about three, four, five times and just looked mm. a, like a unit. Um, yes. But a young player in that uh, Sheffield United team making his debut, a striker Jordan Slew, who eventually went to Blackburn and then drifted down the leagues, I thought was going to be England's next superstar. He looked sensational uh, in those couple of games and then dropped down in divisions. Uh, but then I went the following season. They got to the playoff final against Huddersfield, and I don't know if you remember. It was one where we went down to the keepers, and Steve Simonson um, lobbed one into orbit that blocked out the sun, much like Mr. Burns' <laughs> device in the in the Simpsons at some point. Um, 
after he'd made like seven or eight terrific saves to even keep him in the game. Uh, So it's been a long road back for him. There was a terrific video with Chris Wilder on transfer deadline day when they were in the championship, either last season or the season before, um, talking about what he was trying to do, trying to get players in on loans and and just came across as a, as a, as a decent bloke. Um, But, but also, you know, I think he gets sort of bogged down in that reputation as well. He knows what he's doing. He's, He's got the team playing really good football. Yeah. Oh no, I agree 100. percent No, it's um, it's really good to see. I think the only other thing, the only other you're saying about the best team, I'm really enjoying Leicester. Mm. Um, I think they're doing amazingly well, and I think I'm quite pleased for Brendan Rodgers. Um, for some reason, I've, I've never quite understood it. He seems to have there still seems to exist an air of suspicion around Brendan Rodgers, and I'm not 100 percent sure why. Really, it's the documentary. Yeah, I think it probably it's, it's is. all the envelope bollocks. Um, yeah, you know, he, he did a great job at Swansea. You know, I think you could look at the job he did at Liverpool. And obviously, he lost his job there, but I think you know he came incredibly close to winning the league there. Um, he lost his know, job Celtic. because he changed he changed things for changing things' sake. Uh, yeah. You know, it was when when they brought Balotelli in, which was a mistake, and then he changed the formation. Yeah, and the yeah. season before, much like Liverpool now, they they couldn't cope with it if they carried that on. Yeah, mm. you know they it, they had a system that even as Suarez had moved on, they had a system that was just terrifying people. Yeah, but he made yeah. a change for change's yeah. sake. Yeah, but they were unplayable. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm pleased for him because I think he was he was vilified, wasn't he, when he, he left Celtic for not leading them to the treble treble, and it's it's you know it's Mickey Mouse, it's Mickey Mouse, and. Um, nobody's talking about that now. He's doing a great job, and I, I think they're. Abs- I think they'll finish top four comfortably. Um, It'll take a huge th- wobble for them not to. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think they'll win the league. Um, but then we all said that three years ago. But I think Liverpool are far too good. But um, but yeah, I mean, what an achievement that'll be for Leicester um, if they get in the top four. Um, no, I would have had Brendan Rodgers eighteen months ago instead of Marco Silva. I'd have had him at Newcastle. I said it, I said it at the time that I would have had Brendan Rodgers, much like I would have had Julier, because I just want the team to bloody win something for a change. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There we go. Uh, there we go. Right. My next point from a ma- from two managers having particularly good seasons in Chris Wilder and uh, and Brendan Rodgers. Who is going to be the next manager to get sacked? Um, shortly before the international break, uh, Arsenal said they had full confidence in Unai Emery, but he must still surely be looking over his shoulder with the ghost of Mourinho lurking by all accounts. Um, Pellegrini is uh, uh, must be worried after four losses in five for West Ham to slump. Uh, Marco Silva still not doing particularly well. Whoever Southampton and Norwich's managers are, um, they must be concerned. No one knows who they are. Would they even notice if they disappeared? Um, <laughs> Who is next to go? Well, I think, and this could be, he may have just bought himself some more time, but I think the guy at Watford, um, I know hasn't had very long in charge, but I think he could be in a bit of trouble. I know I know they won I know they won the other day. Um I can't remember who they beat, man. Who did they beat? Uh Norwich. Norwich who Norwich are good Nor- Norwich are going down, but I don't think they'll sack their manager because he came up. I think Southampton will give their manager more time. I just think Watford, their owners are historically incredibly trigger happy. Um, and I think he's had nine games in charge now and he's won one. Um, and a, but against a very poor Norwich side, I, I think he could be next to go. 
Um, I think Marco Silva's bought himself some more time. I just can't see. I just can't see Arsenal sacking Emery mid-season. Um, I don't think they would necessarily be wrong to do so because I think I think it's clear he's not taking them forward. Um, but I can't see it. I just it, I don't, it, it doesn't fit with how they operate. Um, I think they'll wait till the summer. Who do you think, Tom? I think. I mean, I don't know who various teams have got uh, in the uh, upcoming fixtures now that the international breaks over, but. Um, West Ham would like they, you know, they got rid of Bilic around about this point of the season in yeah. his second year when they weren't going well. For West Ham to have everyone said that they'd start the season so well, and then yeah. for them to have lost four of the last five and slumped down to sixteenth, I think it is, with just yeah. you know level on points with Villa, uh, you would think that they, you know, if they lose another two, they'll mm. get rid of Pellegrini without without yeah. any doubt. I think Silva. Needs his next game. I think Everton's next game is against Norwich. Uh, yeah. They need to win that because then they enter a, uh, a winter of discontent because they've got pretty much all of the um, uh, last season's top six in a row. I think it's only City that they don't play in this run. They've got United, Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, and Liverpool within within four back to back games, um, and that's zero points. <laughs> well. I'm not sure it is because I think I think a lot of your problems confidence because um, your squad on paper I think your squad on paper is very good um, and I think they want the silver I think they want silver to work don't they they've invested a lot in him um, but I think that's where pressure comes doesn't it you like you look at like you say you look at some of the other managers but look, you know Sean Dyche could lose every game practically because you know there's no investment but Everton invest West Ham invest heavily. And a few bad results, and suddenly the pressure's on. Um, I think Pellegrini. I think Pellegrini is a good shout. I think Pellegrini is a good shout, but I think they're patient. I read something today about. I think there's a there's a big understanding that the loss of Fabianski in goal. You know that 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 goes back to their drop off in form. Now he's not back till January, so they need to find a way to cope. But yeah, Roberto's been, awful, isn't he? Yeah. They've replaced the keeper who, in my opinion, has been a fantastic goalie now in the Premier League for the last three or four seasons. And this Roberto just seems like a complete joke. Um, but yeah, no, I think Pellegrini could be there. But I think I think the Watford guy could be in a bit of trouble. Um, I think if they'd lost to Norwich, actually, might have lost his job. I think that's bought him some time. Um, but yeah, but, but, but perhaps most surprisingly, Tom, Steve Bruce, safe as houses, safe as houses at the moment. Well, yeah, because cause Mike Ashley doesn't want to pay compensation, probably. <laughs> yeah, no, true, but he's doing he's doing a decent job. I think he's doing a decent job. He's doing all right. He's doing all right. Right, we've gone longer than I thought we would uh, on this one, so we'll wrap up with my final uh, final point. Uh, who is the worst player to ever represent your team? Oof. Um, I will say. God, there's been some awful players. They really have. Um, a lot of them played on Saturday. <laughs> I would say, off the top of my head, well, there's, there's two. Is either Andreas Andersson, who was a Swedish floppy-haired centre-forward, who was absolutely atrocious, or, and possibly this guy is worse, uh, Stefan Givarch, who was a French World Cup winner. He just won the World Cup with France in that year. And admittedly, looked awful through the entire World Cup. Um, 
that was signed, and he was terrible. Um, he was so slow, wasn't he? He was just awful, yeah. And he, I think in the World Cup final, he had like four or five amazing chances against Brazil. He didn't score any, and you think, bloody hell. Um, yeah, I'd probably I'd, I'd go for one of those two. Andreas Anderson was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Kenny Dalglish signed... Kenny Dalglish had a funny record. He signed some brilliant players that served as well for years and then some absolute stinkers. Um, but yeah, one of those two, I would say. You see, it's difficult for me because there's a couple, there's two players who immediately jumped to mind, but they only oh. actually made one appearance. And can you be yeah. like the worst player I've seen in my life if you've yeah. only made one appearance? So the first names that jumped out were a Danish defender called Per Kroldrup, uh, oh, yeah. He was signed by David Moyes in the mid-2000s, just after the team finished fourth under Moyes. And there were rumours swirling around that he didn't make his debut till December uh, yeah. in a game that Everton lost 4-0 at Aston Villa. And the rumours, he, he only got a game then because uh, there were injuries in the back line. And everyone said that Moyes had lost faith in him because he couldn't head a ball. Yeah, he just Like, he just couldn't head a ball. And I don't even know what that means, but um, he played one game. He was woeful in that uh, in that four 0 loss, and um, you know that resulted in him. In, I think he made one more appearance in the cup before he got sold back to Italy, where he, he mm. carved out a fairly decent career at centre half. The other yeah. one is a midfielder called Anderson Silva, um, who was signed uh, a Brazilian who was signed and immediately sent on loan to, I think, Malaga for a couple of years to try and get a work permit or Spanish nationality or something. And when he came back, he he made his debut in a game that Everton played against Charlton in a season they were trying to get a UEFA Cup finish. Uh, It was a game where James McFadden scored a bit of a wonder goal where he just lifts it over defenders head before volleying it into the bottom corner. Um, But he came on in midfield with 10 minutes to go ran around and just didn't know where to stand. He just had yeah. no idea where to be. And Phil Neville sort of was playing at fullback and basically told him to swap. And so Phil yeah. Neville moved into fullback and then realised very quickly, oh God, that's even worse. Uh, and so they put this lad up front for the last couple of minutes, just like, just go as far away from trouble as possible while we're trying to hold on to it. Like, but then he moved to Barnsley and had a really solid career. He's part of that Barnsley team who, who beat Liverpool at Anfield in the Cup one season. So I yeah. think it's unfair to judge them on, on their solitary appearances. Um, yeah. Which means who would be the worst Everton player? God, there's been there have been a lot of uh, a lot of choices over the years. That's a problem. There's lots of rubbish players, isn't there? I'm struggling. Uh, I would. I'd say. I mean, I thought Jermaine Beckford was hopeless, um, yeah. <laughs> but he still scored goals. Um, yeah. It might be there were a couple of midfielders. A midfielder called Danny Williamson who was dreadful. Mike Milligan who signed from Oldham and then sent back within about five minutes. Um, he was fairly poor. Uh, God, there's just been too many. Um, <laughs> there really have. Uh, maybe yeah. you would say, um, probably for the amount of money spent, Ibrahima Bakayoko, uh, mm. who was a player brought in from France, had a terrific reputation for scoring goals and championship managers. It was then, um, but honestly, looked woeful. Looked like you wouldn't score if you give him a week and the, the opposition went home. Um, yeah, he was, he was a player who was a real disappointment. Right, that's it. Good episode. Yeah. Um, you can get in touch with us if you have any questions. Tell us who the worst player at your squad was. Um, all you have to do is contact us on Twitter at No Easy Games Pod 
or via your email. Uh, it's no easy games pod at outlook.com. Uh, for those of you who are more sort of alert and aware of these things, you'll notice we've moved home. Um, we're no longer uh, living via SoundCloud. We are now part of the Pinecast family. Uh, and that means that you will see at the little bottom of the description of our episodes going forwards. This is shameless. Uh, but you can now donate to us. You can give us money if you have enjoyed this episode, be it a penny or a million pounds. We do not mind which. Uh, you can support our continued podcast future by donating to our tip jar. Uh, just look at the information at the bottom of our page or you can go to wherever our things are hosted. It's Pinecast, uh, possibly forward slash No Easy Games. I don't know what our website address is, <laughs> uh, but you're listening to our podcast already. So you should be able to find out that information. Let's see who's brave enough of you to give us some money. <laughs> It'll be the first. Come on, Ricey. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Give us that London money. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back with... Oh, something just went off in my ears then. Don't know if that came through or not, but I've been no. told that the Windows Defender summary needs to be activated on my computer. So I'm going to rush <laughs> off and do a big old virus check. Uh, and while I do that, why don't you, uh, you stay sit tight and join us next time. Uh, for another episode of Nosy Games. From me, Tom O'Brien. And from me, Aaron Gales. Bye. Bye.